The city of Brisbane has an Achilles heel, but luckily it's one that engineers are on the verge of correcting. As the capital of Queensland, a resource-rich state in Australia's northeast, it's a vital hub for the economy and the movement of people around the country. The problem lies with the iconic river that bears the city's name. Unlike other large cities, which boast dozens of crossings, the Brisbane River has only a few. And of these, there's only one major rail bridge in the centre, which takes all the north-south traffic. And the population is growing. Currently at 2.5 million, it's expected to be 4.2 million in 2050. But this only tells part of the story. The River City, as it's known, is a true hub and links together all of southeast Queensland. In 2050, it could have a population of over 6 million, two-thirds of the population of London today. One rail crossing at the centre of this hub simply will not do. Hello and welcome to the Tunnelling Podcast. I'm Alex Conacher. And I'm Bernadette Ballantyne. In this episode, we are looking at the Cross River Rail Project, a new 10.2-kilometre rail line through the centre of Brisbane designed to take pressure off the existing network. To understand the project, we spoke to Jeremy Kruger, Project Director for Tunnels, Stations and Development for the Cross River Rail Delivery Authority. There's only one major rail bridge in the centre of town that takes all the north-south traffic. So what Cross River Rail does is effectively duplicate that. By putting the tunnel north-south underneath the city, we create a second corridor for trains to travel, which effectively doubles the rail capacity across the river. With that, we can run more trains north-south, but it also reduces the the, uh, the pressure on the other lines, and we can run more trains on those lines as well. So it really is stepping up the rail network in Brisbane. Jeremy is familiar with Brisbane. It's his hometown. He graduated from Queensland University of Technology and has travelled the world gaining engineering experience, which he has since brought back home to Brisbane to help the city. I've, I've racked up 25 years now working very much in major infrastructure projects. So that, that I started off as a civil engineer um, here in Brisbane, graduating from QUT and um, have worked on a lot of major projects, including the, the Gateway Bridge, Airport Link Tunnel, the East Link down in Melbourne was another one, and also spent a couple of years over in uh, the UK and Ireland as well, doing doing the what was known as the BNRR, which I think was the M6 tolls through Birmingham there, doing a number of bridges on that project, and also the Dublin Port Tunnel. So uh, it, was, it was on the Dublin Port Tunnel that I, I really started doing a lot of tunnelling work, and that was... Um, back in about 2000 and ever since then it's been very much a, a tunneling focus and it's one of those one of those things once tunneling gets in your blood you, you you're really passionate about and you just keep doing tunneling and that's uh, led me back back home to Brisbane to deliver a tunnel in my hometown which is a fantastic opportunity. The key to the project is 5.9 kilometres of north-south twin tunnels and we've linked to some alignment graphics in the show notes. And it runs from Dutton Park in the south through to Northern Portal, which is around the inner city bypass, as we call it. What we've got is four brand new underground stations that'll form part of the city train network. And and that's quite um, exciting for Brisbane because we've never had true metro style underground stations. And that's what we'll be delivering as part of Cross River Rail, complete with 
platform screen doors and, and the full uh, underground network. The total length of rail line that we're building is about 10.2 kilometers because obviously we have track north and south to tie back into the corridor. And as part of the project, we're also upgrading a number of suburban stations south of the city. So there's about seven existing suburban stations. We'll be doing an upgrade on them to put a third platform in and also do accessibility upgrades such as uh, lifts and high level platforms to improve people with uh, accessibility needs and wheelchairs and the like. The tunnels consist of two TBM drives from a major station south of the river, under the river and up through the central business district before linking it into the existing network. South from that station at Walloon Gabba to the final southern station of Boggo Road is just one kilometre and quite shallow, so the team has opted to use road headers instead of waiting for the TBMs to complete the main drives. The tunnel alignment is restricted to a maximum gradient of 3%, which is the limit of the rolling stock. The line will carry the region's normal suburban rolling stock rather than a metro, which gives limitations here, but good trains for the passengers. However, the route can curve more than might be expected. In, in Queensland, we're, we're a little bit unique in that we have narrow gauge is, is our gauge as compared to the wider standard gauge, which is down south in New South Wales. What that means is that we, we can get slightly tighter curves within the network, but we've limited to a minimum horizontal radius of 300 metres. And, and we've used that to, to wind our way between the stations and down under the river, um, balancing that with the, the um, vertical geometry we also need to achieve. The depth of the river and all of the alluvium goes down to about 25 metres. Then there's seven metres of rock cover and then the tunnel. The deepest point overall is where the alignment passes underneath kangaroo cliffs, putting the tunnel 64 metres below. And even when we then, under the river, we climb back up through the CBD, we're still at about 35 metres deep. So um, for a station, again, quite a, quite a deep tunnel through the CBD. So the project remains in good rock for the entire route, and the tunnels remain very parallel to each other, typically between five and 10 metres, the standard one diameter between the two seven meter diameter tunnels. Brisbane geology does does vary a bit. We are fortunate that for the the full length of our tunnel, we are in we're in rock. So we don't have any soft ground or alluvium or sand that we need to tunnel through. It's it's all in rock, which is fantastic. Not quite as good as Sydney sandstone, which is very homogenous and, and probably the world's best tunneling material, but we do have uh, we've got a, a one rock called the Brisbane Tuff, which is a very hard volcanic with, with strengths up over 100 MPA. Good for tunneling, but quite hard. And we've also got a, a, a phyllite uh, known as the Nerily Fernvale rock, which is what most of the CBDs built on. Uh, again, a very hard uh, with strengths up over 100 MPA that we're tunneling through. It's, it's a bit more, um, been a phyllite, it's got more, a lot more features and foliation and quartz veining and things like that. But again, Fantastic for tunnelling in and, and we're making really good progress through that hard rock. To take on the main drives, the contractor, CPB, Geller, BAM and UGL opted for Heron Connect hard rock double shields. We actually got them from Sydney Metro where they completed their journey from Chatswood in the north down to North Sydney. So they were brought up from, from Sydney up to Brisbane. All the backup gantries and everything were refurbished right here in Brisbane. 
The shield itself went to Heronconnect's factory in China before being brought back to Brisbane. We actually got to do the factory acceptance testing and everything here in Brisbane. And I think a little bit of that might have been with COVID and everything, we wanted to de-risk and say, hey, can we, can we get this all done here in Brisbane? And we could, which is fantastic. The choice of the double shield is, has been really good in terms of enabling us to achieve good productivity. In, when we're in the very hard rock, we can, we can use the grippers to, to advance and not have to rely on, uh, on pushing off the, the, um, the rings that have been installed. But equally, when we were going under the river and we were, we were more cautious, shall we say, with regards to groundwater inflow and everything, we, we could operate in the, uh, using the normal closed mode on the, um, off, off the rings. So uh, it's been a good choice and, and good machines for this project. Minimal changes to the machines were required between the projects. An advantage to working within the standard metro diameter range means there's often TBMs available to be refurbished like this. And performance has been good with both machines breaking through into Roma Street Station in August. And touch wood, because we've still got one and a half kilometres to go to get to the uh, the final journey of the Northern Portal. But we've had some we've had some really good production figures getting up around, I think, close to 250 metres in a week uh, has been our sort of top, top end production that we've achieved with the TBMs. But we are only working 11 shifts in a week. A pattern of two 12-hour shifts per day, with a single 12-hour shift on Saturdays, which allows for regular weekend maintenance. Everything's gone well so far, and the geology encountered under the river was as expected, allowing the 400-metre crossing to take place in just over two weeks, although advanced probing took place to make sure there were no surprises. The TBM tunnels are lined with segmental rings, each with six 1.7 metre long segments at 270 millimetre thickness. These are mostly fibre reinforced with some cage reinforcement used for critical areas, such as the CBD and for cross-passage breakout points. Even in good geology, no risks are ever taken with cross-passages. Oh look! I think whenever you're opening up a segment, there's there's inherent geotech risk. So we don't we don't take any chances every time we open it up. I mean, we've got a lot of confidence around the ground conditions as we've gone through, but we will always pre-drill to depressurize uh, to make sure that there's no uh, excessive groundwater on the other side. Once that's done, we'll saw cut the segments that that need to come out, and then we'll we'll take those segments out. And usually, you'll be then faced with a with a hard hard rock face and you can, you can start hammering away and, and excavate that. So I think you, you, never, you never remove a, a tunnel segment without taking those precautions of depressurizing the groundwater and, and having grout available if necessary, but it's gone quite smoothly to date. The road header drives are excavated by two Mitsui 300s, single boom axial spin road headers. The tunnels themselves are about six and a half, seven metres high, so we find you can get that extra half a metre or extra metre cut to get the crown of the tunnel out. So you can tend to do almost a full face with the mine tunnel with the with one cut of the roadhead, which is really good. So those um, those Mitsui surroundings are quite large roadheader machines, but they've they've been able to make their way through the rock. We we did have a zone of the, the nearly firm vale that was very hard, well up over probably 150 MPA, and that, and that really did 
slow down production with the rope headers. Progress was very slow, down to less than five metres per week. But um, fortunately, we got through that band of very hard rock back into more normal siltstones type rock and, and productivity then improved back up to up over 25 metres a week, 30 metres a week in, uh, per drive in the, in the road herder tunnels, which was great. And lining on this drive is sprayed concrete rather than precast. Yeah, so we, we do a um, typical Natum type style of, of array of rock bolts. So a, a few rock bolts in there, a thin shotcrete lining, probably 75 mil, 100 mil shotcrete lining of just, again, sprayed fibrecrete. And then that is effectively the, the, the temporary tunnel lining as we excavate. We then come through and do a subsequent permanent lining, which will be an invert concrete and then a, oh, sorry, waterproofing, invert concrete, and then an arch form that comes through and creates the final tunnel lining. So with the excavation of the road header tunnels, they're, they're probably a month or so away from completing their 900 meter journey to the south. We've just commenced in, in parallel the permanent lining coming through as well. So we're, we're able to complete that, um, or kick off that uh, invert and waterproofing in parallel with finishing off the excavation. Working in these rock conditions means that extra effort has to be made to protect workers from silicosis. The risk of silicosis within the tunneling industry is, is taken very, very seriously, both by the regulator, but, but also by the contractors here in Australia. They, they do take it very seriously and have really good controls in there to, to look after the workforce. And I think, Silicosis is, has potential to be the, the, the asbestos type um, risk for the construction industry. And um, what we've had on our project from day one is mandatory dust masks whenever you are in that tunnel environment or even, even at the surface where we are in and around where, where, the, where the tunnel spoil is coming back to the surface. This means that workers have to be clean shaven if wearing one of the normal face masks, or they would fail the fit test. Although there are full face pressure masks available for people who don't want to shave. Although having good ventilation and other systems is the first line of defence. Get the dust out of the air. We use misting on the conveyor belts and things like that to, to make sure that we're keeping dust down. So trying to prevent as much dust using polymers and, and, and fluids at the face to try and get a, a good mix so that what's coming back on the conveyor doesn't generate a lot of dust. And then the, the final line of protection, PPE for the guys as well. So yeah, similar to Sydney, taken, taken very seriously. And we do constant monitoring of the air quality and we're happy that the results to date have been that we've, we've been compliant with the government regulations with relation to silicosis the entire time. As for the stations, there are four entirely new underground stops. Two north of the river, two south. Two of those stations are um, effectively underground cavern constructions. So a, uh, a smaller footprint shaft, uh, sort of like a, a normal city, city building, basement type excavation. So down the shaft, and then we've dropped road headers in there and excavated out the large cavern. And those caverns are, are up to uh, 20 metre span. The TBMs subsequently pass through these two northern stations located in the CBD. This is Albert Street and Roma Street. So the final station typology will be from the platform up to a mezzanine 
out through adits into a station box and then make your way via the vertical transport surface. The other two stations to the south, Walloon, Gabba and Bogo, have a lot more land available. So we've been able to use more of a cut and cover typology where we, we have a very large excavation with retaining walls, piled retaining walls we've used, so that no D walls have been required because we don't have any soft ground, it's all been good rock. Just a, a typical piled wall excavation, piled with anchors, cut down, get to the bottom, and then we build back out with the permanent structure using normal form rio and pour for concrete walls, and that'll be the permanent structure sitting with inside that, that temporary box excavation. Tunnel excavation and lining work should all be complete by the end of the year. The first machine launched in January and is hoped to reach the final breakthrough in November. A complete 5.9 kilometre twin tunnel passing under a river in 11 months. Are tunnel projects getting quicker? I don't, I don't know if projects are getting quicker. I think we've had a good run on, on Cross River Rail. Some of the disruptions due to COVID have actually maybe enabled us to you know, run trucks without having disruption with less traffic on the roads and things like that. And never forget fit out. Sometimes the on, on major, particularly rail projects like this, the the heavy civils and the tunnelling is not the hardest part of the project. Getting in there, getting them started is, is is absolutely a fantastic way to to get the project off on a good good footing. But then you've always got the back end of the the mechanelect, the testing commissionings, the um, the, the whole integration tasks with the rail systems and the signalling from uh, looking at other projects like Crossrail in London where they've had their tunnels and their, their stations finished in, you know, I think they kicked off in 2014 and they were done within three or four years and then and then you're still doing the final commissioning integration. So I, th I think you're seeing the same on this project, we're getting in there, getting the tunneling done, which is fantastic, but we've been very mindful of planning well for that back end and making sure that we've, we've really thought through the integration and testing commissioning. And, uh, and, and can bring on board that signalling and, and integrate it into the rail network. For more on this challenge to project scheduling, check out our three-part episode on planning mega projects, which we've linked to in the show notes. At this stage, we're looking to open, uh, or we'll be running trains in 2025. So when you look at that, we're still another four years to go, even though the tunnelling will hopefully be finished by the end of this year. Jeremy says that it's only by sharing information openly that projects all around the world can learn from experience. Challenges can be better understood and the industry can improve. I think um, it, it's, it's a really good thing for other project directors to, to talk and, and we do talk with Melbourne Metro, we do talk with Sydney Metro. I was fortunate enough to come over to London and visit Crossrail a, a few years ago before all the lockdowns before we we went into um, went into our final procurement phase, and having having those chats really does enable you to capture some of those lessons learned and see what's happening elsewhere. If you if you're faced with a challenge, the best thing you can do is actually talk to people because if you talk to enough people, you'll find that somebody else has probably had that same challenge before, and they can either tell you what not to do, which is as valuable as what to do. So, what would Jeremy pass on to another project director? If I was talking to a project director about some of the successes, I think one of the um, one of the really strong learnings is is really good planning. You can you can never do enough planning. You, um, you you should plan, think through, but once you've got that plan, 
best thing to do is get out there and, and, and do it. Really get the planning right, and then, and then your project's got a fighting chance of success. Although not all surprises are unpleasant, and some are something to look forward to in the job. It's, it's sometimes finding those, the unexpected things is sometimes the, uh, the memorable things, like uh, finding old artefacts when you're excavating the boxes, old, um, we, we had old gin bottles and scotch bottles in the middle of uh, the CBD and old, old Chinese coins. It used to be an old Chinatown part of uh, Brisbane back in the 1800s. So finding some of those artefacts when you're excavating down that you don't expect to find. I think is, is always an interesting part of these tunneling projects and one that really does resonate well with the public. I, I, I heard the other day we were excavating one of the cross passages and they actually encountered the geological interface with the with the old underlying basement rocks in Brisbane and the volcanic rock that, that was uh, overlaid on top 250 million years ago. But between that interface, they found old fossilised tree trunks. So, you know, finding some of those old fossils in the middle of a cross passage is, is fantastic. So the the beauty of tunnelling is when, when you're working in the geology and the rock, it, it always does, despite what you expect, it always does show up some, some unexpected and that's always an interesting part of what we do in, in tunnelling. The Tunnelling Podcast is a production of Reby Media. This episode was written and hosted by me, Alex Conacher. My co-host was Bernadette Ballantyne, sound engineering by Ross McPherson, series supervision by John Young, and our executive producer is Rory Harris. Special thanks to the Cross River Rail Delivery Authority. Thank you for listening. You can find the Tunnelling podcast on all podcast apps, on our website tunnelling.reby.media, and on LinkedIn.